Arg mateys! Welcome, as always, to the Curious Clubhouse podcast. If you're new to this podcast, this is a weekly podcast where I, your host, Jason, take you on a brief, informative journey into a specific subject or topic that has helped shape and influence today's pop culture. And as the title suggests, this week we are talking about all things pirates-related. So sit back, relax. As always, I'll tell you a bit about what Pirates of the Caribbean is, This week, we'll talk about some curious history pertaining to the true story surrounding the Pirates of the Caribbean. We'll talk about some origins and inspirations surrounding this franchise, as well as some other properties related to the Pirates of the Caribbean. And finally, end things as usual with some curious and unusual facts surrounding Pirates of the Caribbean. So sit back, relax, pop in those earbuds, and take a journey with me on the seven seas as we dive in to all things Pirates. Without further ado, let's jump in and let's get curious. So what is Pirates of the Caribbean? Well, Pirates of the Caribbean is an American fantasy supernatural swashbuckler film series produced by Jerry Bruckheimer and based on Walt Disney's theme park attraction of the same name. The film series serves as a major component of the eponymous media franchise. Directors of the series include Gore Vavinsky, Films 1-3, through Rob Marshall, Film 4, Jonathan Janakum Ranning, films 5 and 6, and Espen Sandberg, also working on film 5. The series is primarily written by Ted Elliott and Terry Rossio. Other writers include Stuart Beadle, Jay Walpart, Jeff Nar. Jeff Nathanson, man, got some big names here, and Craig Mazin. The stories follow the adventures of Captain Jack Sparrow, played by none other than Johnny Depp, Will Turner, played by Orlando Bloom, and Elizabeth Swan, played by Kira Knightley, with Hector Barbosa, played by Jeffrey Rush, and Josham Gibbs, played by Kevin McNally. Following over the course of the films, other characters featured in the original trilogy include James Norrington, played by Jack Davenport, Pencil, played by Lee Artberg, and Regetti Jones, played by Bill Nye. The fourth film features Angelica, played by Penelope Cruz, Blackbeard by Ian McShane, Philip Swift by Sam Clafton, and Serena, played by Astrid Burgess, Ribsy, and Scrum, played by Stephen Graham. The fifth film features Armando Salazar, played by Javier Brandon, Henry Turner, played by Breton Thawsett, and Karina Smith, played by Kayla Scoldario. Among the aforementioned characters, the films take place in a fictionalized version of the Golden Age of Piracy and are set primarily in the Caribbean, hence the name. The film series started in 2003 with Pirates of the Caribbean, The Curse of the Black Pearl, which had a positive reception from audiences and film critics. It grossed $654 million in U.S. dollars worldwide after the first film's success. Walt Disney Pictures announced that a film series was in the works. The the 
franchise's second film, subtitled Dead Man's Chest, was released in 2006. Apologies, I got lost there. And broke financial records worldwide. The day of its premiere, Dead Man's Chest became the top-grossing movie of 2006, with almost $1.1 billion at the worldwide box office. The third film in the series, subtitled At World's End, followed in 2007, earning $960 million. Disney released a fourth film, subtitled On Stranger Tides, in 2011, in conventional 2D, digital 3D, and IMAX 3D. On Stranger Tides succeeded in also grossing more than $1 billion, becoming the second film in the franchise and only the eighth film in history to do this at the time of release. A fifth film subtitled Dead Men Tell No Tales was released in 2007. The franchise has grossed over $4.5 billion worldwide. It is the 15th highest grossing film series of all time and is the first, first film franchise to produce two or more movies that grossed over $1 billion. Now, that is absolutely incredible. In my opinion, wow. Uh, prior to doing my research, I was not aware that the Pirates of the Caribbean franchise had grossed so much money. Obviously, I knew that it had done well, as evidenced by all of the sequels that we got in subsequent years, but I did not know these facts. You know, over a billion dollars. That is crazy uh, for a Walt Disney franchise, in my personal opinion. Really, really impressive, but obviously, again, not super surprised as this is a massively successful franchise. You know, and as of late, really been hoping for a new film on the franchise, as I'm sure a lot of people have. But as we know, with all of the uh, controversy with Johnny Depp and all the court proceedings and all the things that have been going on, uh, you know, just not sure when or if we're going to get another Pirates film in that main franchise. I do remember reading somewhere uh, here recently that they are developing an animated Pirates of the Caribbean series of sorts. Uh, so hopefully that does come through fruition and hopefully that does happen because I'm really looking forward uh, to something else in the Pirates franchise. Uh, so that is all about what the Pirates of the Caribbean franchise is, what it consists of, you know, as some as well as the various actors and producers behind this franchise. Uh, so now that we know a bit about what it is, let's of course jump into our new segment, our Curious History segment this week, and talk about what the real Pirates of the Caribbean were, what they did, and kind of what they uh, got up to. Super excited this week for this segment. You know, I'm a huge Pirates fan, not just of the franchise in general, but I love Pirates in general. You know, I always have ever since I was young. Um, so really, really interesting here to find out what the true story is behind the Pirates of the Caribbean. So let's jump into this here. The real Pirates of the Caribbean in the 17th century buccaneers lived on the Caribbean island of Hispanolia and its tiny turtle-shaped neighbor, Tortuga. At first, they lived as as hunters and shot wild pigs with their long-barreled muskets. Their name came from these special wooden huts called bucans, where they smoked their meat. Later, the governors of the Caribbean islands, such as Jamaica, paid the buccaneers to attack Spanish treasure ships and ports. 
Some of the largest scale raids were led by the Welsh captain Sir Henry Morgan, later knighted for his services. Although raids began in this way, with official backing, the buccaneers gradually became more and more out of control, eventually attacking any ship they thought carried valuable cargo, whether it belonged to an enemy country or not. The buccaneers had become true pirates as Spanish settlers set up new towns on Caribbean islands and the American mainland, these two came under pirate attack. The Caribbean remained at the center of lucrative trade as gold and silver gave way to slave trading, tobacco, sugar, and so on, ensuring a steady supply of attractive targets. So very interesting there. Expanding on this, gold, silver, and slavery. From the 16th century, large Spanish ships called galleons began to sail back to Europe loaded with precious cargoes that pirates found impossible to resist. So many successful pirate attacks were made that galleons were forced to sail together in fleets with armed vessels for protection. Spain's European rivals, especially the French and British, spent the next few hundred years in various shifting alliances and both would either rob the Spanish ships directly or issue warrants or letters of marquee to private ships, privateers, to do so without fear of being hung as pirates, unless, of course, they were caught by the Spanish. What made the Caribbean so pirate-friendly? Pirates, like smugglers and convenient hideaways in the Caribbean with its many islands and thousands of bays, provided the perfect terrain for raiders. The local population had been largely killed off by the accidentally imported European diseases to which they had no resistance. With constant malaria and frequent epidemics of yellow fever raging through the Caribbean, official action or official navies, excuse me, were at a significant disadvantage to seasoned crews, making naval action that much more difficult. The existence of thriving land bases such as Nassau, where pirates could sail could sell their ill-gotten or officially approved gains was crucial to the pirates' economy. How did it all end? While the Caribbean was primarily a staging post for Spanish treasure on its way to Madrid, there was little incentive for the British, French, or Dutch to do much to discourage piracy. As Spanish power declined and Britain and French asserted themselves as the dominant regional powers, it became obvious that potentially lucrative colonies or slaves were growing tobacco or sugar were threatened by uncertainty at sea, and something had to be done to stamp out piracy. In 1670, the Royal Navy had just two ships in the Caribbean. By 1718, the presence had swelled to 124, and piracy had become a shadow of its former self. A hundred years after that, and the French had lost Haiti, their main Caribbean possession, to a slave revolt, and Britain had double its number of ships there. The navy hunted down pirates ruthlessly and dispatched quick and summary justice to anyone they caught. 
outright piracy and the use of pirates as privateers for European states would occasionally flare up, but rarely would it remain a significant problem for long. The use of privateers was largely abandoned after the signing of the Treaty of Paris in 1856. So that is a little bit about the true history behind the Pirates of the Caribbean. You know, so as we know, without this history, you know, without the knowledge of what these actual pirates got up to, the fact that they would plunder ships at sea, you know, we may not have gotten this iconic Pirates of the Caribbean franchise um, that we know and is so beloved today. So I just thought it was very interesting. You know, I myself was not aware of the true history behind the Pirates of the Caribbean. So I was really, really intrigued to find out what the real pirates got up to, you know, and how they all came to be and how that all came about. So I thought that I would include that this week, some, uh, you know, little fun, factitious history for you there. So that's a bit about the true history behind the Pirates of the Caribbean. Now, as always, let's dive into some origins and inspirations. Let's talk about where the ideas and inspirations for this iconic franchise came about. So getting into this here, the original Pirates of the Caribbean ride was that helped inspire the films. The tales of Jack Sparrow, Will Turner, and Elizabeth Swan might seem pretty fantastic, but the idea for this action-slash-adventure franchise actually came from a theme park ride in both Disney World and Disneyland. So yeah, if you weren't aware of that, the movies, of course, were inspired by the theme park ride. I myself have not ridden the theme park ride. Uh, it's been many years since I've been to Disneyland. Definitely need to make a point of going back um, and riding this ride, you know, as it is as it is what inspired these classic films. So there are a few iconic moments from the Pirates of the Caribbean ride that helped inspire these adventure films. That includes the part where the criminals behind bars are begging for the keys from a dog in the film. Jack Sparrow does the exact same thing, holding up a bone for the dog. According to Screen Rant, the original villainous crew from Curse of the Black Pearl all turned out to be skeletons that were cursed, and that was something that was taken directly from the ride. Many of the characters on the ride are skeletons in the early stages before the live pirates appear. The Pirates of the Caribbean films then inspired the theme park ride with the success of Pirates of the Caribbean franchise. These movies impacted the theme park ride. Now, each ride includes an animatronic version of the captain of the Black Pearl, Jack Sparrow. In Walt Disney World, fans can also see Captain Barbosa standing on top of a ship. At the beginning of the Pirates of the Caribbean ride in both Disney World and Disneyland, ride-goers are greeted by some of the villains of the franchise. A thin veil of mist forms projecting the image of Davy Jones and sometimes Blackbeard. Disney continues to make changes to the Pirates of the Caribbean ride, most notably the red-headed pirate. There's always plenty of surprises that pop up during the Pirates of the Caribbean ride. If you're lucky, you'll even catch Johnny Depp acting as Captain Jack Sparrow. Aside from live actor appearances, Disney continues to improve a number of its rides, and Pirates is no different. Most recently, there was a female character nicknamed Red, with two Ds, auctioned off by the pirates. While the characters shouted, We wants the redhead, 
instead of removing the redhead, Disney gave her a more empowered and important role in the ride. Now Red is a pirate herself, taking on the role of the auctioneer, as she seeks to profit off the goods she's plundered. So that is really, really cool, really interesting stuff here, guys. So not only was the movie series inspired and created because of this iconic Disney ride, the movies being as popular as they are and as successful as they are have prompted Walt Disney World to actually add improvements to the pirate ride to the point of actually incorporating new pirates and incorporating elements from the movie franchise into the ride. That is really, really awesome in my opinion. In fact, I am honestly not aware of any other type of attraction that has actually done this type of thing, you know, added to the attraction itself just based on the success of a movie franchise, which primarily only exists because of the ride in the first place. So really, really awesome that they've done this. Again, uh, that is in and of itself a, a great reason to go check out this ride for yourself, you know, if you haven't already. Like I said, it is uh, definitely something I myself am going to do uh, sometime in the future, I hope. Um, but yeah, so, you know, that is where the origins and inspirations for this movie franchise came about because of this really iconic Walt Disney ride, which incidentally was actually really famous before the movies were even made. So, you know, it, it just goes to show you how much of an impact this particular ride has had on people uh, in the past and, you know, currently, as well as on pop culture in general. So really interesting stuff there. So now that we know a bit about where the inspiration for this iconic movie franchise came from, let's dive into some other properties that surround the ride and the movie franchise. So Pirates of the Caribbean is a dark ride at Disneyland, Walt Disney World's Magic Kingdom, Tokyo Disneyland, and Disneyland Park at Disneyland Paris opening on March 18, 1967. So this ride is in many different places, it would seem. The Disneyland version of the Pirates of the Caribbean was the last ride that Walt Disney himself participated in, designing, debuting three months after his death. The ride gave rise to the song Yo-Ho, A Pirate's Life for Me, written by George Bruns and Xavier Atanko, and performed on the ride's recording by the Malaman. That is interesting. I did not know that. Uh, very, very cool. Pirates of the Caribbean Battle for the Sunken Treasure. So the Pirates of the Caribbean Battle for the Sunken Treasure is a magnetic powered dark ride at Shanghai Disneyland. It uses a storyline based on the Pirates of the Caribbean film series. It blends, it blends digital large screen projection technology with traditional set pieces and audio animatronics. Walt Disney Imagineering designed the ride and Industrial Light and Magic created the computer-generated visual effects. Really, really cool there. So that's just a couple of other rides uh, that are similar to the Pirates of the Caribbean ride. Now let's talk a bit about video games. Of course, uh, with this iconic franchise, there is of course going to be video games made. Uh, and there are actually 
quite a few video games here, guys. Uh, I will not be, of course, touching on all of them because <laughs> we would be here all day long if I did. Uh, but touching on a few of these here, first up, Pirates of the Caribbean, originally entitled Sea Dogs 2, was released in 2003 by Bethesda Softworks to coincide with the release of Pirates of the Caribbean, The Curse of the Black Pearl. Although it had no relation to the characters, it features the film's storyline about cursed Aztec gold and undead pirates, and it was the first of several games to be based on the franchise. The Kingdom Hearts video game series includes Port Royal as a world in Kingdom Hearts 2, adapting the story of the Curse of the Black Pearl. The world, return at, the world returns as the Caribbean in Kingdom Hearts 3, this time adapting the story of At World's End. In both games, Jack Sparrow appears as a party member of the protagonist, Sora. Pirates of the Caribbean Multiplayer Mobile for mobile phones, Pirates of the Caribbean Online, a massively multiplayer online role-playing game, which was released in October 2007. Pirates of the Caribbean, The Curse of the Black Pearl for Game Boy Advance, obviously many different versions of pirates for the handheld consoles. Uh, since we are talking about video games here, I do want to mention Pirates of the Caribbean, The Legend of Jack Sparrow was released for PlayStation 2 console and for PC. This is one of a the couple of Pirates games I have actually played myself um, growing up. I did have Legend of Captain Jack Sparrow, and it's a it was a fantastic game. I absolutely loved it because, um, as you know, I'm as I've mentioned, I was super obsessed with this franchise growing up, but I also played Pirates of the Caribbean at World's End, uh, which was released for PC, um, among others, and that was also a really cool game. Um, so yeah, many, many different games here. As I said, um, you know, there's I have many, many different games on this list. Uh, obviously, I'm not going to include them all because, again, we would be here all day. But that is just a few of the video game adaptations that they have created. Now, let's turn our attention to some books. Uh, there are many, many books that have been adapted for this franchise. Uh, two series of young reader books have been released as prequels to the first film. First up being Pirates of the Caribbean, Jack Sparrow, written under the shared pseudonym of Rob Kidd. There are 13 books in that series, which were written from 2006 to 2009. Pirates of the Caribbean, Legends of the Brethren Court, written by Tui T. Sutherland, writing under the pseudonym of Rob Kidd. There are five books in that series from 2008 to 2010. In addition, there is a novel taking place between the two series. That is Pirates of the Caribbean, The Price of Freedom by Anne C. Crispin. Now, I have to say, I have read most of the Jack Sparrow series. Again, it is absolutely fantastic, and it actually, it's all about Jack Sparrow, but as a kid. Uh, the young Jack Sparrow. Um, so really, really cool, really, really interesting. So if you are a huge Pirates fan, like I myself is, you know, and if you're just a fan of Pirates in general, you know, I highly recommend you check out the Young Jack Sparrow series because it's fantastic. It's a great young adult series, a great series for kids. You know, if the kids are wanting to get into reading stuff about Pirates, I highly recommend they get in to the Young Jack Sparrow series. Really, really good stuff there. Continuing on with our book portion here, novelizations. Pirates of the Caribbean, The Curse of the Black Pearl, 2003 junior novelization, by Irene Trimble, Pirates of the Caribbean, The Curse of the Black Pearl, 2006, Junior Novelization, uh, Pirates of the Caribbean, Dead Man's Chest, Swan Song, 
Pirates of the Caribbean Dead Man's Chest, The Chase is on, and Pirates of the Caribbean Dead Man's Chest, The Curse of Davy Jones. So several different novelizations there uh, based off the first and second movies. Um, I've read a couple of those. Very, very good. Um, and, you know, I love reading movie novelizations here and there. The reason being is a lot of times you get a little bit of extra with those movie novelizations. You know, they're not always word for word from screen to page or from page to screen. Um, you know, you do get a little bit of extra there that you may not have gotten in that two hour movie. You know, so if you're looking for a little bit of extra, you know, check out some movie novelizations to some of your favorite movies. You may be pleasantly surprised with what you find. So that is just a few of the novelizations. Now, of course, let's dive into some comic books. Of course, you know, with a series this big, with a franchise this poignant and this huge, we're obviously going to get some kind of comic books in this franchise. Pirates of the Caribbean is, of course, no different. So getting into this here, the Pirates of the Caribbean comic series by Joe Books, The Guardians of Woodward, Cove Smoke on the Water, Banshee's Boon, Mother of Water, Beyond Port Royal, and those are the titles to the comic books in that series. And then, of course, comic book adaptations include Pirates of the Caribbean Outworld End comic, Pirates of the Caribbean Dead Man's Chest comic, Pirates of the Caribbean Dead Men Tell No Tales movie graphic novel, Pirates of the Caribbean The Curse of the Black Pearl comic, and comics have also been published in the Disney Adventures and Parati de Parati magazines. So several different uh, comic book adaptations there. I myself have not read any of these comics. Uh, I would love to get my hands on some of these because it does seem like they would be very, very cool. Um, but that's just a few of the various other properties that surround this iconic franchise, some of the other things included in the franchise. So look for some of that if you're interested. Now, as always, guys, coming to the end of this Pirates-themed episode here. Let's talk about some curious and unusual facts about Pirates of the Caribbean. Fact number one, staying optimistic. Let's expand. The first film was originally meant to be titled just Pirates of the Caribbean, but the producers decided to add The Curse of the Black Pearl at the end in case the film was successful enough to have a sequel made good call on the producers. Uh, yeah, so really, really optimistic there. Um, originally, it was just supposed to be called Pirates of the Caribbean, but decided to add the subtitle of Curse of the Black Pearl in case it was successful enough to start a franchise. And a good call on that one, because of course, as we know, it has been massively successful. The series has spawned a number of sequels and movies and made tons of money. So really, really interesting there. Curious fact number two here, getting a pay raise. Interesting. Playing Jack Sparrow in Curse of the Black Pearl was the best thing that's ever happened to Johnny Depp's career, at least financially. After the success of the film and an Oscar nomination, Depp was able to command upfront salaries worth $20 million for each of the later movies which doesn't even include the back-end deals he made. The Pirates' sequels have been an especially lucrative cash cow for him. He was paid $90 million to appear in Dead Men Tell No Tales, to be fair, without Jack Sparrow, who's going to see a Pirates movie. Uh, and, you know, honestly, that's a fair point. You know, expanding on that a little bit, there for a little bit, 
they had talked about doing a female-led Pirates of the Caribbean movie with, I believe, Margot Robbie leading the cast on that one. And then I read that they had scrapped it, and then I read they hadn't scrapped it. So I'm not really sure what's going on with that one there. Honestly, you know, any Pirates of the Caribbean film, in my personal opinion, that gets put into the franchise, if there's not some version of Jack Sparrow, you know, if it's going to be an animated series, or if they are going to do another live-action film, if it's not going to include Johnny Depp's Jack Sparrow, honestly, I don't think the film is going to do very well. You know, because as we know, Jack Sparrow, Johnny Depp's character, Johnny Depp created the character of Jack Sparrow, incidentally. You know, he is what makes this series so successful. You know, he is the most popular character. He is the character that fans love the most. So definitely hoping for some more Johnny Depp in the future. So, curious fact number three here, an inspirational ride. The Pirates of the Caribbean films are famously based on the classic ride at Disneyland and Walt Disney World. As we know, it seemed like an odd bet at the time, but it sure paid off. After the success of the films, Disney went back to their classic rides and redesigned them to include Jack Sparrow, Hector Barbosa and Davy Jones. So yeah, as we touched on a little bit earlier in the episode, as we know, the films are inspired by the famous Pirates ride, and the ride has been updated to incorporate characters and themes from the film franchise. So really, really cool. Obviously, you know, I don't think, like I said before, that something like that has ever been done before. So really, really cool. So curious fact number four, no mutiny required. While shooting on Stranger Tides in London, Johnny Depp received fan mail from a girl who wanted Jack Sparrow to assist her in mutinying against her teacher and taking over the school. Rather than have his assistant write her a tongue-in-cheek reply, Depp went to the school as Jack Sparrow in full costume and visited the girls' class to advise them against the mutiny. That's just flat-out awesome. And I absolutely 110% have to agree. You know, it is things like that that make Johnny Depp so incredible, in my opinion. And it's honestly... Every at least once a week, I it, it's, it seems, maybe not quite that often, that I happen to come across some post online where it's talking about Johnny Depp showing up as Captain Jack Sparrow to visit sick children, you know, to go to people's school like this. You know, Jack, or excuse me, Johnny Depp is super inspirational. I, he is, that is one of, you know, if not the main reason I love him as not just an actor, but as a person in general, because he's so concerned with other people's well-being. He's not afraid to take time out of his busy schedule to go be with his fans and talk with his fans and be with them when they need him most, you know, and just showing up as our one and only favorite Jack Sparrow is just icing on the cake. So I absolutely love that about Johnny Depp. It's super inspirational and super incredible. So curious fact at number five here and our final fact of the episode, pirates and lightsabers. Interesting, not two things that usually go together. The cast of Curse of the Black Pearl naturally needed to learn how to sword fight to make things look as good as possible during the action scenes. And they were taught by legendary Hollywood swordsman Bob Anderson. One of Anderson's many credentials was the fact that he had worked on the original Star Wars films, doubling as Darth Vader for the lightsaber battles. So that is really, really awesome. Um, in order to achieve the most authentic sword fights in these films, they hired 
this guy who has worked as Darth Vader on the Star Wars films, that and Bob Anderson. So really, really awesome stuff there. I love that. Um, I love that they were able to incorporate that in the films, you know, and it, it honestly makes perfect sense if you think about it, you know, with Bob Anderson being so well-versed in the lightsaber battles of Star Wars and obviously teaching the cast of Star Wars to do their sword fights, it makes sense to bring somebody like him onto the Pirates franchise to help make those sword fights as authentic as possible. Uh, that is it, guys. That is brings us to the end of episode number 16 of the Curious Clubhouse. That is all things surrounding the Pirates of the Caribbean franchise. I hope that you guys enjoyed it. I have, as always, loved doing this these episodes. I love doing this show. I think it's absolutely fantastic. Um, and I love just being able to hang out for a few minutes every week and talk to you guys about some incredible pop culture related topics. So as always, guys, if you love this show, if you love what you hear, please tell your family, tell your friends, help spread the word, help us grow this show. You can always rate, review, subscribe wherever you get your podcast. That's super important. And if you have the time, if you could hop on over to Apple Podcasts, leave us a quick review there, as again, that also helps as well. So thank you guys so much for listening. And if you're looking for other pop culture related content, you can check out our Curious Clubhouse Facebook page. And if you have topic suggestions for future episodes, questions, comments, criticisms, nothing's off limits, you can send all of that to the Curious Clubhouse at gmail.com. And of course, if you're looking for music to start your own project, whether that's gaming, Twitch, podcasting, like I'm doing here, visit Visit Rad Audio. Uh, they have some great audio and music selections for your upcoming project. So once again, guys, thank you so much for listening. Look forward to next week's episode. As always, we will be on episode 17. We're rapidly approaching 20 episodes here, guys. Uh, absolutely incredible. Uh, it just seems to fly by. So thank you guys once again. Stay safe out there. Stay awesome. And as always, stay curious. Stay curious.